So I guess in that case, I, I suppose um, let's uh, let's just kind of jump yeah, right let's, in. Uh, let's just jump right in. All right. So yeah, let's uh, let us go in uh, three, two, one. No. Three, two, one, three, two. Oh, damn it. Microphone's all messed up. All right. Well, let's go in, in three, two, one. Autobots, transform and roll out. Well, hey, welcome back to Two Mikes, Two Furious Animated Transformers. Uh, This is the podcast where two folks named Mike uh, watch and discuss Transformers animated from two different points of view. Uh, My name is Mike Seibert, and I am watching Transformers animated with you for the first time here. And joining me on this adventure is longtime viewer of Transformers animated is Michael Andrews. Hello. Yes, long time Transformers animated fan uh, serial rewatcher at this point. Seen it plenty of times. I, I love it. You know, I, I think I will incorporate that into the into the intro phrasing going forward. Serial rewatcher. Yeah. <laughs> serial rewatcher. That, that seems yeah. to be like a like a button or something like that. It, it's funny as yeah, for sure. as I've been going through our first couple episodes, I, I find myself accidentally writing down slogan ideas. You know, I, I, it's like I, I have like this um, um, document note of like all of my notes as as I'm doing editing, and it's like um, a sticker idea: colon Prowl is a dick. <laughs> yes. Like, or like the <laughs> that's a big that one has to be that's a that's a no question that's the best uh, or you know the the fanboy cycle or um, was it future spoiler alerts you know that that kind of thing yeah um, which, which I keep which I keep messing up like uh, um, it's like future spoilers secret spoilers that kind of thing um, folks have really been digging kind of watching me squirm or no I'm sorry watching you squirm trying not to spoil things for stuff that you know that's going to happen that I don't right. so yeah yeah and it's not only just plot points it's just it's also stuff that I like I know you're going to be excited about and really like and it's just like <laughs> it's tough to keep it in so this is uh, well this is the the time of the show where uh, it's it's your new favorite segment number legislation <laughs> so Woo. so this Woo. this is our episode three in which we are talking about uh the transformers animated episode home is where the spark is which depending upon how you're watching it and how you interpret transformers animated is either season one episode one or it's season one episode four depending upon how uh how you're watching and right. and uh um stick around for the listener feedback portion uh at the end of the show uh because uh, a few of our friends have weighed in on the different ways that the tfa is being uh presented but basically you can you can watch along um the episodes with us but yeah so basically th- this is the first episode of the first season outside of the pilot uh transform and roll out right 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 yeah to me this was episode one this was you know after i watched the primetime movie the next week is when this 
the show started proper. So in my mind, this was always been like the first episode. Well, it's interesting you say that. And so, um, uh, correct me if I'm I'm mistaken. I, I saw this on the TF Wiki because obviously I didn't watch it first run, and uh, you know this is my first time experiencing these episodes. So Transform and Rollout uh, exclamation point aired uh, late December around Christmas time in 2007. This episode, um, according to the TF Wiki, aired uh, late January 2008. So it's like a month or so later. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, so I thought that was, um, that was kind of interesting and, and it, um, I don't know if this, this explanation makes sense, but it, it feels that way. I, I can't figure out how to explain that, but basically it, it feels like it, it's later, not, not necessarily. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, passage of time, but also like the, the production feels a little different. It, it does feel more like an episode of a series as opposed to that mini movie, which I, I think the the production value was a little higher. You know, in our, our previous episode, we talked about like the amount of like detail in the in the character design, um, uh, especially when uh, characters are injured and hurt. It's interesting to to have the perspective of this episode airing a month after the the previous one. Yeah, it gave a little uh, breathing room. It was kind of interesting. So, kind of the characters we're supposed to just live on in your head for about a month and uh, you're just kind of assuming sort of the adventures are happening. And then when you jump into this episode, it's, yeah, they're a little more settled and you just accept some of these, you know, now they have a headquarters and, you know, now they've been saving the city, like that sort of thing. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah. And, and you, uh, you unlock something there. It, it does. It doesn't necessarily feel like a first episode. It, it feels like, a episode like like it could be you know uh episode eight or, or you know may as well or be episode four you know depending upon uh, uh wh- yeah. what your numbering legislation is um so yeah yeah i i my first note on this was that it's it's your more traditional one-off episode it's definitely got a more kind of you know at least at the start it starts with sort of like your your monster of the week or your criminal of the week kind of a thing if we're talking a procedural yeah but uh yeah, it's a, uh, it's uh, home is where the spark is, and uh, just for a little uh, more legislation, it was directed by Shunji Oga, and it was written by Michael Ryan with my old pal Marty Eisenberg as the story editor. Gotcha. So it seems like this episode is is not the uh, the traditional team, like like Marty Eisenberg wrote the first episode, right? I, I believe so. Yeah, he, I think he he hammered out that first movie kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, it's there because there's a lot of, like, story in action, story in action. It's got that, like, Sorkin, Walk and Talk thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so let's let's kind of dive into it here. And, you know, you, you had alluded to it starting with a, you know, kind of a traditional Monster of the Week procedural type of vibe. And we get the first glimpse of something that I would imagine is a TFA trope that is kind of... Uh, I, I would say unique to Transformers Animated, um, in that you have human supervillains. You you basically have 
Yeah. You have, uh, I, I guess, for, for lack of a better term, a Batman-style uh, rogues gallery, Spider-Man-style rogues gallery of of these uh, um, colorful uh, human characters. Um, I, I guess let's uh, let let's talk about the uh, the Green Arrow. I mean, I mean the uh, the the Angry Archer. <laughs> that, uh, that, that Angry Archer. Yeah, it definitely. Uh, I I definitely noticed that kind of like watching ahead a little bit. Um, how much this feels like uh, Batman the animated series. Where you where you do sort of have that like you know there's like goofy villains kind of and and then not so goofy kind of scary villains mm-hmm. um, but there's even later on there's some more nods to that show I think it'll become a little more obvious but yeah starting with the you see right away the angry archer sort of this like Hawkeye Robin Hood type character and according to my uh, complete AllSpark almanac here, Ooh, humble brag um, it sounds like it sounds like his name or that character is like a nod to Aaron Archer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. I, I found that on my uh, second viewing. So like what I did is I watched it once, then went to the TF wiki and then watched it again. And um, I'll, I'll be goddamned because like I had um, I, I've met Aaron Archer a couple times um, at, at various TF cons. A uh, good dude. I, I wouldn't say, you know, we're friends or homies or anything like that. But, uh, you know, I've yeah, sure. yeah, I've talked to him a, a number of times. And yeah, that second time through, I couldn't not see it. You know, like like the resemblance, yeah, because, yeah. because there there is there is a I mean, gradual uh, obviously from a you know cartoon caricature perspective, but um the, the likeness is there. I I couldn't not notice it after after that had been pointed out to me. <laughs> Victory is mine. Young police would ne'er stop a fire truck from speeding to an emergency. Yeah, and actually, Angry Archer is voiced by uh, Jeff Bennett, who voices. Everyone's favorite dick, uh, Prowl, <laughs> on this podcast. Mike, your favorite guy. Prowl's um, a dick. Prowl's a dick. Uh, yeah, but he he voices him as well. And uh, I just think what, I mean, you can kind of tell a little bit in Angry Archer, but he also voices Captain Fanzone, which is crazy to me. Like those voices couldn't be more well, far. Yeah. When you think of like Prowl, Angry Archer, and Fanzone. Yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, I, I wish I had the talent of voice acting because like, you know, like, you know, I, I've, I've done stuff with our, our friends, uh, Greg and Yoshi for, uh, Transformers reanimated and, you know, they've done some like script reading podcasts and, and I've been part of some of those, uh, readings and like, you know, but every character that I do is just kind of like a, a slightly different affectation of Mike Seibert. Like, you know, uh, my bumblebee is just basically Mike Seibert, just up an octave, you know? <laughs> so it's like, it's, it's really no, which is re- on, honestly, that that's why they wanted me to do that. Cause it's like, Oh, Hey, I'm Mike Seibert. You know? yeah, yeah. Uh, same thing with my, uh, my, my chip chase and my spike wit wiki. It's like, you know, <laughs> no one's ever disabled as long as they have courage. <laughs> spot on (laughs) no i think it's a i i think that's a tremendous talent and i also uh want to you know throw a nod to like a couple things that he voiced to outside of transformers because these are biggies from my childhood so um he was the voice uh he did some voice work for uh gargoyles uh he was specifically owen and brooklyn on gargoyles Mm. and Owen, the character of Owen on Gargoyles is great, plays a huge point in that show. And like, that's a very memorable, like, 
I'm always attracted to like the Egon of the show and he's yeah. like the Egon of that show. So that was really cool to find out. He's also uh, the voice of Kyle Katarn in the, uh, like the Jedi Knight series of games or like, Oh, um, like dark forces and dark forces. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 I thought that was really cool to find out. Cause that's another biggie that I was, I was big Kyle Katarn fan back. in Yeah, the- I, absolutely. Very, so, very cool. Yeah. Shout out to a huge voice talent, Jeff Bennett. Yeah. Well, and, and it's interesting, too, because like, you know, uh, uh, we talk about the we, we talk about like these characterizations a lot. And I, I think one of the things that, you know, we, we get um, uh, so bogged down, like in, in the plot beats and the plot elements and what the story means to us. And, you know, we, we talked uh, a lot about um you know david k's performance as as optimus and we you know we talk about cory burton as as megatron but we haven't really gone like super deep on like on like the voice cast and i i feel like you know uh, uh maybe we should touch on that um a little more in upcoming episodes maybe like as uh as as we deal with characters more individually it's it's one of like the 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 surface level things that's kind of easy to blow over as as we're getting excited talking about our, our you know our hopes and dreams and 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 <laughs> and thoughts and feelings about, about these episodes right well and it's also tricky mike because a lot of these guys are pulling double duty in their voices and you know i can't fully talk about them until you know the character that they're going to voice obviously i don't it's a it's like a vocal spoiler a little bit if i go too deep on this so i'm trying i'm trying to wait for more like um you know like the episodes where where their characters spotlighted so Mm -hmm. yeah but this was a biggie uh uh angry archer obviously double duty with uh prowl here so yeah, and and again, uh, terrific talent, and just you know, three distinctive, um, interesting voices. I wonder if um, I, I don't remember if uh, Aaron Archer is going to uh, TFCon LA because I, I know that uh, um, Jeff Bennett is going. So oh. I I I, I, I want to see a picture of Aaron Archer and Jeff Bennett together. I guess yeah. is why I'm trying, poses right. Yeah, the trying, trying to put that out in the world there. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> but we digress. Back to the show here. Oh, vexing fate, thou art a harsh mistress. I was to be rich. I was to be famous. Looks like you'll just have to settle for famous. Right, right. So, yeah, so you have this, like, over-the-top uh, you know, Shakespearean-type villain. He's, like, spouting off uh, in iambic pentameter. And um, then you have... Then you have something kind of interesting. You you have the Autobots as crime fighters, right? Mm-hmm. You have you have uh, Optimus Prime like zooming in like a cop car, uh, and he's sort of like a police force. And it, it's kind of a weird moment because yeah, like you're saying, it's sort of like is this maybe a little beneath uh, you know an Autobot to be getting involved in like local crime? But at the same time, as far as they're concerned, the Decepticons maybe don't exist anymore, mm-hmm. right? Or like they don't even know. They've only seen one and they took care of them. Yeah. Yeah. Starscream's been defeated. I guess you got to do something. Right. (laughs) Right. right. You got to stay busy. Well, and all the bridges have been fixed. So, um, and, and it is interesting too, because I, I, I wonder how much time has passed because it it feels like, you know, for, we, we talked about like the last third of transform and rollout where it feels like there's been a little bit of a time jump where, you know, like the, the, the Mm. Autobots have been living in Detroit for a while and now it feels 
feels like that 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 they've been living there that much longer that they're pretty settled like you know we're going to talk about their their headquarters in a little bit and kind of how they're they're settling in if not fully adjusting uh to their to their new home on um on earth in detroit yeah it's definitely a, a kind of a uh, what's everybody up to episode or like a catch up episode, mm-hmm. right? Like we see what Optimus is doing. He's kind of, uh, you know, being like night, night watch a, a little bit. Um, Prowl, we see him uh, next in the park. He's doing his contemplative ninja thing where he's uh, hanging upside down, watching a bird uh, get attacked by a cat. I wrote down that he's still a dick uh, because he's just letting it happen, right? Like he's sort of, he's interested in this play of like the cat attacking the bird or like the cat stalking the bird. But, uh, you know, for me, I was like, I was like, help that bird. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> um, but yeah. And then, and then we also have Ratchet uh, kind of setting up their new base with the other, the younger bots, uh, setting up their new HQ as it were in sort of an abandoned I don't know. I guess I thought it was like a warehouse and then I thought it was a factory. And then I see that it was like an auto parts shop is what it says in one of the uh, little blurbs about the episode. Mm. Like, what did you kind of, what did you kind of take away that they're, that they're, HQ was. I, I think it is whatever it needs to be for any given episode. Um, I, I know one of the things that, that we said early on is that we don't want to necessarily uh give the pass and a cheat of, Oh, it's just a kid's show, but it it feels like, especially in this episode that this headquarters is just whatever it needs to be. So it's like, yeah, sometimes it's a factory. Sometimes it's an abandoned warehouse. Um, yeah. And, and there, and there's just vague mechanical equipment that could be sparked to life at, 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 (laughs) at any, any given time. Um, so yeah, it is, it is kind of, uh, weirdly undefined. Yeah. I did think it was cool that they're, um, the, the first shot you see of it, the coloring of the building is like art colors. Yeah. I noticed that right away and I was like, Oh, that's a really neat little like nod. Cause you can't, you don't have them like living in the actual arc kind of like in the original series, but you get this like, little hints of it in the in the girders and and exterior of the building a lot of earth tones and i i don't know if i caught that because like i i noticed it more kind of like showing it as like the time of day it feels like it's kind of like the this perpetual um early morning or uh sunset type of thing that's that's where i thought like like the more rich orangey earth tones were coming from or perhaps even just like the time of year like maybe it's like you know vague autumn or or something like that but yeah that that's a that's a that's a really cool pickup um yeah that's possible but either way yeah it made the colors on the building i love it. it 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 is in there yeah i like that I like that nod. Uh, one thing that's kind of really important about that scene where Prowl was uh, watching the cat and the bird was that they're interrupted by, um, I guess he's kind of a passerby or maybe what we'd call like, maybe like a, like a YouTube yeah. reporter or something. An influencer. Like he's got like a little camera drone. <laughs> he's like, hey, 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 yo, yo, he, yo. Like, he's like. <laughs> Everybody, over here! It's one of the Autobots! Which one? Oh, cool. I see it! Oh, cool. Let me see, let me see! Hey, where'd he go? Like and subscribe! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right. Smash that like uh, if you like this robot hanging out in the yeah. tree. Um, and, and you know, this crowd comes around and we sort of see this uh, celebrity status of the Autobots. Um, 
it's not just they're like behind the scenes doing stuff. They're like people are kind of getting obsessed with them. Um, and Prowl uh, understandably hates it. Uh, but on the flip side, Bumblebee kind of loves yeah. it. He's sort of like loving the limelight of like, you know, as like a young, you know, hotshot would probably do. Mm-hmm. No, those annoying camera bots. What? No way. Being a star rocks. If the titanium alloy plating fits, wear it. And I make it look good. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, and, and it's fascinating the dynamic of this episode because um, in in various parts of my notes I've written down, it's like, Prowl is a dick, question mark, maybe not. All caps, Bumblebee is a dick. Um, yeah. He, he, oh, he, he was a total asshole. He's a right this. little shit in this episode. Um, to to where it kind of makes me want to recontextualize, you know, it, the first time we see him because I don't know if I picked up this um this much impetuousness from him uh w- when we first met him, um but again no. we we don't we don't spend a whole lot of time with uh with B in in the pilot so this is kind of to your point it's very it's very turned up uh he's a little more aggressive he's a little more like poking the bearish um and i think i think that's definitely so that the the ending pays off a little bit more like it, it really uh you know, the finale is a lot more meaningful because we've seen Bumblebee sort of so aggressive up front. But of course, we'll get to that. Yeah. And and I do. I, I'm reminded why I like this mix of characters, because everybody reacts to um, the Autobots being presented as celebrity superheroes uh, or superhero celebrities, uh, no matter how you, how you want to slice it uh, differently. Like, you know, uh, we we talked about how uh, Prowl and Bumblebee are taking it, but like I, I thought that this was um, an interesting bit of character for Bulkhead because it's it, he like he he kind of like does the the this um, introspective cycle where it's like oh man I, people just want to see me break stuff you know and he's kind of kind of morose and maudlin about it you guys got it easy all people want me to do is break stuff i got a sensitive sight too you know breaking stuff is kind of fun either way there's a lot to learn about this planet yeah well he's like already being typecasted yeah Uh, he's sort of and and that kind of plays into like the celebrity angle of it too like he already kind of has that well i don't want to be this character forever kind of a feel just from being in the spotlight. But then he shrugs it off and he's like, yeah, but breaking stuff is fun. So, so, so it's, <laughs> yeah. an, it, it's an interesting dichotomy uh, with that. And it, it kind of reminded me of that uh, Simpsons episode, you know, that where, where Bart Simpson is thrust into celebrity for being the, the um, I didn't do it kid. And it'd be like, say the line, Bart, <laughs> say the line, Bart. I didn't do it. And so I, I would imagine yeah. that like these these proto YouTuber influencers with their camera bots are like, come on, bulkhead, break some stuff. Come on, bulkhead, yeah, sit on that car, bulkhead, do the thing, <laughs> do the thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then he does it, and then it, the crowd cheers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But one one of the the things I I, I really want to get into, and I, I think we're going to spend a lot of time uh, chatting about this. While one of the thesis 
uh, statements of this podcast and my perspective on uh, the character of Prowl so far is that like Prowl is a dick, but I love, love, absolutely love that he loves nature so much that he feels a, um, a connection um, to the, the earth and its creatures. And for as yeah. aloof as he is, I was really not expecting this uh, turn for his character. I would think that in his arrogance, he would have contempt for lower life forms, but that's not the case at all. In fact, he's, he's fascinated by, by nature and the circle of life. Yeah, yeah, he appreciates that more. And it's almost like the the lower life form, if you will, to him is just like people and his fellow Autobots. And um, yeah, there's sort of this like, you know, it's actually kind of a relatable thing of just, you know, sometimes you just don't want to be around people and people are a little too much for you. Um, it, but there's something sort of, you know, you can always talk to your dog. You can, you know, watch an ant crawl by and it's sort of Zen-like. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's very cool. And, and and you're right. It's very, you know, unlike the prowl we were sort of introduced to, um, this is really, he's really taken on a new life here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and I do like, I mean, cause I mean, he, he's presented as a ninja and I do like incorporating that level of uh, spirituality uh, because like I think sometimes when uh, martial artists are presented in fiction it's it it's all like you know chop sake you know uh, uh, combat skills not yeah. necessarily the the Zen spirituality that also comes with it um you know in, in right. other places i've talked a lot about uh snake eyes from from gi joe and there's just as many times as he's shown uh meditating and training and all that so it's like i i feel like or, or even like you know uh, teenage mutant ninja turtles you know it's like i i feel like that there is a a balance there um especially when you know master splinter is teaching these these impulsive teenagers the value of uh, a center and you know kind of kind yeah. of their th their place in the world and so i i was delighted to see this characterization of prowl here he really kind of won me over in this episode i'm like oh man am i gonna start liking prowl is and, and like i was almost getting <laughs> yes, upset I, you will i'm like <laughs> I, I'm like, is is this why people like Prowl? Damn it! <laughs> um, but kind of what you were saying though, it it leads to like this this moment, this idea that that Prowl is kind of uh, you know obsessed with nature, uh, kind of plays out in this really beautiful scene where um, he sort of stalks office to his room because Bumblebee's actually being the dick, and uh, Optimus comes to talk to him, and and he assumes that maybe one of the things. Uh, Prowl is pissy about is that there's this giant hole in his room and there's this tree like growing up through this uh, dilapidated factory that they're staying in. And so Optimus offers him a new room and, and Prowl, Prowl, this is beautiful moment where Prowl is like, I like this room. You know, you can have another room, one with a roof. I like this room. All this organic life, this nature, it refuses to be contained. Such a force of will. But everyone here is blind to it. They all rush to see everything, but never sit still long enough to experience what is around them. Just this morning, 
I observed one organic creature stalk another with such grace, such stillness. And I would say the artwork in this moment like transcends anything else you see in this whole series. It's this like Miyazaki-esque, really beautiful uh, tree growing up with like the light shining yeah. in and uh, birds you know, twittering and chirping through it. Like it's really, it's really Zen. Like it's something like sort of out of picturesque artwork. Yeah, a- absolutely. And, you know, some of the things that, that we've talked about previously is the uh, design aesthetic and the things that have really caught my attention in TFA so far is, is those background uh, paintings or background drawings or just like all of the background work is is just phenomenal and yeah the, this tree is is really breathtaking yeah i kind of want to grab a still of this and like make it my phone background or mm-hmm. something like it's just it's something i want to see on a regular basis it's it's really beautiful mm-hmm. um and, and kind of an important note here at this scene he's telling optimus you know why he likes nature and he mentions the cat stalking the bird and there's something a little creepy about it him talking about it but you also sort of get like he he's setting up this idea that uh the stillness um the how nature works is just more like flowy and not so just like explosion and spastic everything that bumblebee embodies uh nature is not yeah i mean nothing is wasted here i mean again i i really appreciate the economic storytelling that like you know you don't really think anything of it other than the obvious when when you're watching how prowl is studying the the stalking of of the cat with the bird but like that ends up becoming the theme of the episode. And that becomes like the lesson to learn, you know, it's about, you know, learning to be calm and still and being present in the moment and, and not just, uh, you know, it's a real uh, think about what you're going to do before you do it type of type of situation. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And a big, big payoff for the, for the final battle that we'll get to. Absolutely. Um, I was going to say, the next thing we see is sort of becoming, I guess, what I think is like the TF animated drinking game. Uh, we see Sari misusing her key. I feel like if you were drinking every time that happens, you would be messed up by the end of the episode. <laughs> um, so we see her we see her once again abusing uh, the power of the key, which we know is in- instilled with the power of the AllSpark and Vector Sigma and all mm-hmm. that. Um, and it is she uses it to hack into her dad's secret lab. Uh, which we know, at least from the last episode, that that's where Megatron's head's being right. uh, held. And a hand also. So what do you think about this scene, Mike? What did you, how did you uh, dig this uh, little secret lab thing? Was this like well on the nose or cool? No, or? no, I, I like it. And and it establishes a, a more character work. It, it, it firmly establishes that Isaac Sumdak is a workaholic and that and mm-hmm. that he has like a um a, a compulsion and a drive to uh noodle these things through like you know he's working on like this you know spider camera bot thing and he can't quite crack the code on it and it bothers him to the point to where who knows how long he's been locked in that lab uh neglecting his daughter basically it's like so who knows how long this has been who knows how long uh sorry has been uh trying to uh sustain herself (laughs) you know um so so it 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 brings in a, a couple things to um uh brings a couple things to mind but 
it also establishes that this guy's got secrets and this guy's got secrets that he is deathly afraid uh, for anybody to learn, including his daughter, especially his daughter. Um, but it also shows that that dichotomy of sorry in that, like, you know, she's at once a little stinker, you know, you know, you, you right. using the misusing the, the power of the all spark key to break into this lab, but also that she has care and compassion for her father. You know, she's, she's concerned for him. It's like, well, yeah, well, let's, when was the last time you slept? When was the last time you eat? Let, let's, let's go get you a sandwich. When was the last time you ate? What is today? <laughs> let's get you some breakfast. Oh, but sorry, I am not hungry. Well, perhaps just an apple. On the banana. Better make that a whole fruit salad. And waffles with bacon. And- yeah, absolutely. So I, I do I, I do like from the perspective that it um shows more of the depth of their relationship. And I can't help but wonder, I, I don't know if this is a secret spoilers, how how things are going to turn out between them because it feels like things could come to a head with regards to uh, keeping these secrets, especially now that sorry is homies with the Autobots and knows what transformers are. Um, and, and she knows that there um, at least was for a short time um, bad transformers as well, that they're not just uh, the benevolent Autobots. Right. Well, you know, I don't think uh, kids ever have problems with their parents, so that probably won't turn into anything, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Sarcasm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's really uh, so. It's it's really cool, and and the the key that she uses to get into the lab is what zaps Megatron. Um, and I thought this moment was very reminiscent of like uh, it kind of felt like Terminatory. Right? Very much. It's so. a, well, for starters, it's like a Skynet yeah. situation. Uh, Megatron becomes self aware. Then you have this like red eye half face you know torn away red eye scanning the room like it was all very like you know if not terminator sort of the 80s tech uh horror movie type Mm -hmm. um and and right away we see megatron like come back online you know what am i where am i what's happened to me in the last 50 years um and he learns right away the first thing he learns is starscream's betrayal what where am i where is my body How long have I been offline? What kind of antiquated system am I hooked into? I defeated Megatron! I planted the device that overloaded his circuitry! His fate was sealed before he even reached your ship! Starscream! Like, how on the nose? Like, how perfect (laughs) is that? first thing he has to tune into when he when he signs i on. love it and and yeah. it and it's kind of funny i mean again another example and and this this speaking of the the two mics two furious uh tfa drinking game anytime where something comes back around um almost immediately you almost have to drink for that because like um i i called out how 
how great that scene is with with Starscream. Uh, basically, you know, it was me. You know that whole thing. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's the very like Ace Ventura, <laughs> Jim Carrey yeah. explosion of I did it. <laughs> and and now we we understand how useful that information is because now Megatron has it's right there on tape uh, for him to uh, for him to experience. And I just I mean the the uh, performance by Corey Burton here as as Megatron is is terrific. He's doing a lot of um, uh, great uh, voice work when you know it's like he's he's becoming self aware. He's coming back online. You know a lot of that. Oh, you know where where am I? You know th- that kind of stuff. But like as all Megatrons do, uh, this uh, this this guy's really got a, a mad on for for Starscream. You know just the whole Starscream. You know, it's just it, it's yeah, yeah. it's almost uh, Frank Welker esque in in the way that he uh, uh, belts that out there. But um, but I I also like the uh, and I think we talked about this in our last episode as well. But I like that this uh version of Megatron, or at least Corey Burton's version of it, has kind of like a quiet menace to it. Also, I mean, aside from like the the yelling, which which I was just talking about, but like you yeah. know, um some of his lines almost sound poetic when he's uh, uh, when he's talking about like the all spark. And he's like, Oh man, the all spark was right there. And it's like, you know, right there in the palm of my hand, except I have no hand to grasp it. They don't even know I'm alive. This cannot be happening. The all spark finally within my reach. And I have no hand to grasp it. Perhaps I'm not as immobile as I thought. There may be more than one way to locate the old spark. And destroy all who dare oppose me! Yes. It almost yes. almost kind of reminds me of uh, Michael and Sarah as Mr. Freeze in uh, Batman the Animated Series. You know, where it's like, it would move me to tears oh. if I still had tears to shed. Yes, it would move me to tears if I still had tears to shed. Yeah, that's a great that's a great uh, reference to that too, and and that kind of ties into how I think one of the maybe it's right there in the name the whole time Transformers animated, but maybe this was there was some talk in the in a boardroom somewhere that like this should be our kind of Batman animated this this should be goofy in some places but maybe it gets a little darker yeah uh, and maybe we should take some things that we like from that show and incorporate it into this I could definitely see that because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. there's some definitely there's some more coming up in episodes there's some more heavy even heavy-handed uh, you know visual cues that come from that show I think so interesting yeah it's it's really cool um, one thing I wanted to mention about this scene that I when I watched it a second time I thought it was really interesting because uh, I just assume sorry, um, hacked her way in like using the key, but actually the key kind of pulled itself into the lock yeah. for Isaac Sumdak's, uh, secret yeah. lab. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. And, and I'm starting to think that, you know, this key has like a, a mind of its own a little bit. It's not just sorry using it to get into trouble. There's some, some sort of catalyst here. Yeah. And I, for the, I wonder like, um, you know, even though we think of Megatron as like evil and like, gosh, I hope he doesn't come back to life and become Mm self-aware, but um, 
maybe the key wanted that. Right. Yeah. I mean, because the, the, the key is definitely depicted as being drawn to the lock. Yeah. yeah. Like there was a very purposeful scene of like, you know, let's show it doing it on its own, not just sorry, you know, keying into the, to the mm-hmm, lab. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Super interesting. Yeah. And, and we're, we're going to see this more, uh, but it is, I, I wonder what, what the self-awareness of the key is and, and its connection to uh, the all spark. Um, because what, one of the things that, that we're seeing um, a lot of early on is shape shifting. Like, you know, it's like the, the, the key will change its form to fit into the lock. So how yeah. much of that is driven by sorry? How much of that is driven by the will of the all spark itself? It's a, uh, it's interesting to ponder. Yeah. And I think it's uh, just from thinking ahead, even just a few episodes, I think we're going to see more information on that too, mm-hmm. which is, which is very cool. I guess uh, foreshadowing alert, foreshadowing alert. <laughs> secret um, foreshadowing. I, we need to put that on a button. <laughs> yeah. It's, yep, it's just like go. a siren. Um, it just says secret foreshadowing. alert. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Uh, before we leave the office, I do want to mention, I feel like there's a couple nods here going mm. on. And one of them, I think, uh, is a nod to beast machines because we see Megatron infect this little, um, I guess later they're called the pocket bot. It's like a little, you know, kind of like spidery drone robot that Isaac Sumdak invented. Okay. And that's kind of becomes like the hands for Megatron to move about and do his business while being a severed head um but this pocket bot looks and that megatron is kind of even talking through it almost looks like at one point um it bears a striking resemblance to the diagnostic drone from um beast machines i know mike you probably haven't watched too much of that show but but megatron has this little um drone that kind of follows him around in that show and at one point in the show for a few episodes he even like his spark gets trapped in that drone. So he is that, that is Megatron for like three episodes, but this, I just feel like knowing this show borrows from so many different continuities. I feel like that the design of this thing can't be, um, can't be a coincidence. Well, and for intents and purposes, when this, this uh, uh, spider camera bot thing is infiltrating the Autobots headquarters, it basically is Megatron. So, you know, maybe, Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, not really, but also kind of. Right, right. Yeah. And so, and I don't know, this isn't technically a nod, but I feel like it's a nod forward or at least that a future property used something like this because this, this idea of Megatron being like a disembodied head that's like infecting other machinery and everything plays out in Transformers uh, Age of Extinction, mm. the live action yeah. movie, um, where, where, you know, there's that secret lab where humans are harvesting Transformium and they think they're like hacking the, uh, the DNA of Transformers, but actually like Megatron like is sending out all these little like proby insecty things and like he's sort of calling all the shots behind the scenes mm-hmm. yeah and it, it didn't really dawn on me until i watched this episode that oh yeah this is uh this is kind of the plot of aoe i think they must have borrowed from this interesting but well we we know that they certainly borrowed lockdown uh from this show right. in general which we'll get to eventually mm-hmm. but um so there must have been there must have been some writer watching watching this show um so yeah so you know we We've talked so much about the uh, the design aesthetic of the show and that it has th- this weird kind of retro futurism. 
okay, well, let's come back to to one bit of legislation from the uh, from our previous episode. And I noticed this when I was editing it. We we spend a lot of time trying to figure out when this show takes place. You know, whether it's uh, I mean, it, it's it's just straight up the 2050s, right? Yeah, I think that's correct. Yeah, yeah I I don't know if the the uh, the TF Wiki accidentally spoiled that for me, or if the, it's supposed to be a mystery. Uh, but like, yeah, I mean, because I I spent a lot of time in our in our last episode trying to trying to figure that out. It's like, oh well, what did did the Autobots come to Earth in like the 1950s, and then they crashed and slept for for 50 years so it's now it's 2007 but the technology is right. advanced because of what isaac sumdak has done with sumdak industries that that just seems to be like a cul-de-sac to nowhere and yeah no it's it, it's just it's just 2057 we'll, we'll we'll just call it that or 2058 by by this right. point or whatever um my point being is like so we go to the presumably the sumdak residence uh, where sorry is, uh, being homeschooled by a robot. Nothing wrong with that, I guess. <laughs> um, right. yeah. yeah. They're doing everything else. Why not be our teacher? Yeah. Le- lear- learning, uh, learning remotely. Um, who, who would have thought, but, th- but, th- but this is basically just a Jetson's house. And, and I love that it's got like this, like, you know, just kind of like exaggerated, uh, retro futurism vibe to it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's like, like sci-fi disco or something i think i called it at one point like there's this like saturday night fever vibe a little Mm -hmm. bit and then also like the idea of what in the 70s and 80s people thought the future would look like yeah well in in even in the uh outfits that people are wearing like you know when we see that gang of influencers um earlier you know they all have like these weird like wraparound uh goggle glasses (laughs) uh yes and bell bottoms they all have bell bottoms on it, it's it's a crazy vibe and uh and, and a feel but um uh one, one of the questions i i had and i think i i will ask this many times throughout what can't the key do because it it feels like the um i, I mean th- this all spark key is is basically a god killer it's like what what can't sorry do with it it's it, it's it's interesting yeah. Well, yeah. And to that point, it maybe it's a good idea for them to establish that it sort of has a mind of its own because then it sort of limits the power of what she can do mm. with it. The quadratic formula can best be expressed in terms of x equals negative b plus or minus the square root of b squared minus 4ac over 2a. <laughs> cool. It's me. Sorry. Sorry? How did you get on my comlink frequency? With my key. It's wicked cool. Um, gotta go. See you tonight. I don't know. This this episode for me is kind of a mixed bag, actually. And I, you know, I'll save this for kind of like you know my 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 score at the end. Um, but it's on, on one hand, like I I love like the world building stuff, but I also found some of the actions by the characters to be pretty annoying so some of the annoying characters are pretty annoying in the in this particular episode so it was yeah like like i said for me kind of kind of mixed nuts but maybe i'm getting too far ahead of myself yeah yeah i think it's i think it maybe it's just a product of kind of being that i i know we're calling it the fourth episode but it kind of sort of is the setup for the series in that way so we're gonna get some uh i don't want to call it filler because i don't think this show has that 
really, but uh, there definitely there definitely is some sort of you know it's it's following the tropes of what a first episode usually does, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. sort of sort of um, you know vanilla. Yeah, yeah, and but with that, I would also say. Um, complimenting it it's like you know it's like a rose and a thorn type of thing you know it's like or like a backhanded compliment um i do also appreciate and like how uh slice of life this is and kind of just like uh the 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 banality of just existing like you know we're, we're getting into like this uh uh sleepover sequence which it's yeah, I mean it, it. It's neat and it's fun, but it's also like um, something so random as well. Yeah, well let's let's have a, let's have a sleepover with the Autobots. Autobots, here I come. Yeah, I remember uh, when I first saw this, like being actually excited at that thought. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, oh, this is such a great idea. Like I want to see all the stuff that they're gonna do, like sleepover wise. Like I was like, oh, just just give me a montage. I want to see, <laughs> I want this to completely derail the episode. And I just want to focus on their sleepover. Um, cause it's so fun. And I think what's really cool about it also is that, uh, it's, it's sorry getting a chance to be the kid that she hasn't been able to really be because she hasn't really, you know, had, you know, as we saw in like the first episode, you know, she's kind of shunned by her, her peers a little bit. She's not, she's not, uh, blending in with the kids very well. Mm-hmm. So, um, this is her getting to do like some kid stuff finally. And yeah, it's with giant robots from outer space, but at least she's getting to do it. Yeah. And, and, and it's established that she can relate with these robots from another planet more than she can with kids her own age. And I, I think that's, I, I think that's a, a specifically telling, um, I, I do a, a couple things here. One, th- this is kind of where we really learn how wrong I was in saying that, you know, Prowl is a dick uh, because Bumblebee is, a, is just a massive prick in the, in the, in this entire sequence, he is just really obnoxious. Like, you know, I mean, I mean, poor Prowl's just trying to, just trying to Zen out and, and Bumblebee just will not leave him alone. Fascinating. Mind if we watch something that won't bore us into stasis lock? Don't be such a stiff brow. Oh wait, I forgot. You're all about stillness. You should try it sometime. Yeah, and he just goes after him for the stillness thing again, mm-hmm. uh, and I and I understand why, but it's also just like it. There's something very realistic about that too, because if you've ever been bullied or or been the bully mm-hmm. in such situations, sure. like you you always go a little too far. And one of the tropes of a bad bully is like your joke's not even funny, dude. Yeah, like you're just going after this little thing and saying it in a snide voice, and like that's what Bumblebee is doing with the stillness, like. And it's clearly just like a jealousy thing, right? Like, I mean, Prowl's got a skill that they don't have. Yeah. And he needs to, you know, rag on it. That's a great read on that. Um, I, I do also like the, this uh, this little bit from Bulkhead here where he, he's just kind of like, yeah, yeah, this Earth stuff is hard. <laughs> you know, <it's> just, <laughs> you know he, he just, he just I, I get the feeling that he just wants to chill and relax and just kind of. Yeah. Kind of be in the hideout um, that you know we're we're all bulkhead now. This Earth stuff is hard. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we are bulkhead. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I think it's cool they they do like uh, 
I like that they actually do slumber party stuff, yep. right? Like you don't maybe you don't get the full on montage, but you get uh, you get Twister, you know, like a cool future version of Twister. Um, kind of like Twister meets Simon stories. type thing, yeah. So this is some kind of training exercise to boost dexterity? It's a game for fun. Right foot on green. Hey, Prowl, you're all into that balance and agility garbage. You want in on this action? <sighs> yeah, yep. And and this is where we see if you're if you're playing the drinking game. Uh, and I think it's a great misuse of Sari's key, but she uses the key to make her scary story even scarier, right? She like she like slips her key off to the side, uh, zaps some machinery, and and uses it to like scrape across the ground and like sneak up behind Bumblebee, like you'd have like another kid yeah. do uh, around the campfire uh, at the at the point of the story. So I thought that was pretty mm-hmm, cool. Mm-hmm. The old man gone. The three children were now all alone in the spooky house. There was a horrible scraping noise. You guys hear that? And behind the kids, the old man's ghost sneaked up and... But it's also, as we're going to see, a really smart, like... You know, that's not just a funny scene. That's actually like a really uh, important kind of plot point to this whole episode, mm-hmm. um, which we will get to. But yeah, uh, so th- so the machinery gets animated, um, and at the same time, we're seeing uh, Megatron's you know pocket bots sort of infect the warehouse machinery, and you know, Sari has that moment of like, well, that wasn't me. Um, you know, so like the scary story gets scary and it's a cool transition from the scary story, scary story to uh, almost like the Sam Raimi S over the top horror scene. It becomes, I thought that was a really cool transition. Absolutely. And so, yeah, so you get, you get uh, the attack on the hideout and, and, and this is, this is where TFA really shines for me. Um, I, really enjoy the kinetic action scenes i mean it's like you know all all of the you know movements are are just so dynamic and and yeah i mean i i like the you know kind of like american anime tropes of you know you know speed lines and and um um things like that but yeah this uh this action sequence is is pretty cool yeah and there's that that's something kind of true about this show um you know I don't know if it's just the nature of it, but, but they really can do whatever they want. You know, one week it can be a kaiju thing and then it's like a crime fighting show. And now we're just going from a robot slumber party to like a horror. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's, yeah, I think that's sort of like, maybe that is, you know, if we're trying to figure out what the lightning in the bottle of transformers animated is, maybe that's one of them is just, it can be any, yeah, it it can be a chameleon and just kind of like, you know, um, uh, genre bend, uh, to to whatever whatever it needs to be in that given episode, and when you have this type of style and aesthetic, that yeah you you could you could just like you already said uh, more eloquently than I did you know it's like you you could do whatever the hell you want right yeah and then also this scene too this scene that breaks yeah. out this points to what you were saying earlier of like we really don't know what kind of a factory. <laughs> building this is because now there's like there's like uh lasers shooting out of places there is like rusty bolt bullets coming out of stuff rivet machine guns was was this just a shoe factory what is happening (laughs) like um but it just goes full yeah and it really did i mean to i mean it's very ramey s but it did remind me of that 
scene in uh spider-man yeah when when doc 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 ock's arms took over and like killed all the doctors Mm -hmm. working on on him um it kind of had that vibe to it uh and then we have a we have a a uh, cool little moment we see Bumblebee on his on his uh, heelys, I yeah. guess, where he's like whipping through the whipping through the thing on his little uh, wheel feed, and uh, he says something well, like, "He uh, literally heels on he wheels." He literally says, like- "Wheels on heels." <laughs> this looks like a job for wheels on heels. Yeah, wheels on heels, right? <laughs> and I was like, "Do people get that reference today? Is meals on wheels still still a thing?" Like I laughed out loud at it, but I was like. Do people know what yeah. that means? Well, it, it's funny because, like, you know, when we were talking about uh, uh, Transformers Earthspark over on uh, my podcast, my uh, my other podcast, Mike Cybert Radio, and, you know, we, we spent a lot of time talking about um, Alita One's Heelys. And, you know, so it's like, you know, it's basically mm. the same thing here where it's like, you know, Bumblebee's like, you know, like really like, like rolling smoke and, uh, and laying some rubber down as yeah. well as zipping around. Um, and I mean, like in like a call forward, call back type of thing that that's, that, that is kind of a little bit of how, um, uh, Lita one, um, acts in combat when she's, uh, um, taking down uh swindle and hardtop in, uh, in that first episode of transformers Earthspark. spark, but I, I digress really cool sequence yeah yeah and this it's it's interesting too because this is hot in the heels of the first live action transformers movie so and then in revenge of the fallen is kind of when we see those you know sides yeah yeah like like using the wheeled feet and then and then the motorcycles and then we start seeing it a lot more in that series so i wonder if this was uh sort of a catalyst for you're that. right i think this might be ground zero because i mean that that's that's something we never saw in g1 yeah yeah it's it's wild and it's really cool. I mean, it's definitely and it's definitely fitting for um, Bumblebee, and it also really plays into um, you know that he's sort of the foil of Prowl in this episode. Mm-hmm. Like it's the opposite of stillness. Your feet are wheels, yeah. right? Like you are just motoring around. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this scene, this is where it really pays off, is because uh, those lasers turn out to be like motion sensing lasers, yes. and that's how all these you know crazy rust bolt shooting guns are like seeing everything that never runs out of rivets and also, by the way and endless rivets where right, it's right, just right. like at one point like uh like uh optimus and ratchet are just getting rained down on with with these uh with these hot oh rivets. yeah yeah it's like it's like 20 years uh worth of <laughs> rivets yeah. that this factory would output like in a i would imagine that uh, like some like blue collar some deck industries folks it's like Oh hey hey Floyd, what are we gonna do with all these rivets? I don't know. Just just leave them here. <laughs> it's just like like an entire like yard of rivet. I don't care. We got laid off. Just leave it. <laughs> oh my uh, gosh. Yeah, it's but it's it's a really cool sequence. And then uh, you know obviously it 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 doesn't go for long because Megatron is actually seeing them. But but they're able to for a while foil the. Uh, motion sensing lights because of this idea of like stillness, yeah. like stillness, then strike stillness, then strike. Yeah. And you finally get that payoff of like, uh, why this, why this focus on stillness and quietness the entire episode. Mm-hmm. And then it's like prowl unleashes his true, you know, cool power that he has of like, of, you know, being able to like stay perfectly still, uh, something bumblebee's never heard of probably in his whole life yeah <laughs> exactly and and i just i i love that that interaction between uh prowl and bumblebee because it's like you know uh prowl has figured it out 
you know, and, and to the point where he's calling it out um, to the audience, he, he actually says like, you know, stillness and then strike stillness and then strike. Um, but then uh, like, was it like a, like a claw hand or something like that? Some, something gets like the better of him. And, you know, so he's, he's, uh, he's trapped. So he's trying to impart this onto Bumblebee and and the little shit is just not getting it <laughs> you know and he, and right, just like right. listen to me stand still stop moving stillness and strike just like the earth creature in case you haven't noticed i'm not the one who spends all my time staring at earth creatures just listen to me and focus wait for the right time <laughs> yeah but it's also interesting because uh what I think is great is that Bumblebee's speed and his franticness and his lack of planning is what leads him to be the last one not captured. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like Prowl sort of needs him now. What he's been what he's been ragging on him the whole episode kind of back that like, you know, maybe you're just, you know, you know, you're all over the place sort of a thing in in his sort of attitude uh he's also saying bumblebee you're doing it wrong mm-hmm. right because you're just like all over the place but now he sort of needs that speed and that stealth uh combined in bumblebee yeah um so it's it's really like i wonder if i wonder if it's just uh i wonder if prowl looked at that and said you know he's my last shot at getting this right or if he was like bumblebee kind of like i need you specifically to learn this skill right now because you're you know bulkhead can't do right right you know and and optimus is off the board you know he's stuck on the on the magnet and um yep and so yeah you know and and i i think it's one of those things where it could it could definitely be both you know both things can be true um so bumblebee does learn learn that lesson and and he does um adapt and slows down stillness then strike and uh you know kind of kind of the 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 uh climax of this again what what kind of warehouse is this what kind of depot is this where it has just like these massive massive fuel tanks that are completely full you know just Oh, right, right, right. It's like, yeah, yeah let's, let's of course. throw these, uh, throw these fuel tanks into the air. And I, you know, th- there, there was a part of me where I'm just like, oh, we're, we're just going to be just leaking petroleum fuel all over, uh, uh, Detroit. That's, that's not great. But then that, that gets resolved very quickly in, in the, uh, um, something like right out of Die Hard 2, where it's like, you know, the, the, the string of fuel. <laughs> gets uh gets caught on fire and there's a huge climactic explosion and stuff and so yeah, yeah so they- well yeah and we shouldn't we shouldn't uh gloss over the fact that there's also missiles in this factory oh, somehow yeah, that's like right legit, legit actual <laughs> like missiles actual coming missiles. from somewhere <laughs> it's so weird i mean i i wonder because like you know in these these early going episodes it, it is still a little bit undefined what um the entirety of the Sumdac Industries uh, impact on on the world is. I mean, we know he's the the leading manufacturer of robots, but is like 
Is this dude a Tony Stark on the side? Is like, is he like making like munitions and weapons and like Jericho missiles and stuff? You know, that kind of stuff. Right, right. Well, yeah, I was going to say, like, I wonder if the UN knows about yeah. this building. Like, is this, uh, is this a problem? Yeah. Have they looked into I mean, this? in a, in a weird Because uh, there's a lot of weaponry. Because, yeah, I mean, for, from a certain point of view, I mean, Isaac Sumdak is, it, it could be a problematic figure. I mean, like, he's, he's got, you know, he's got a goddamn transformer locked up in his, uh, in, in his, secret lab that he's reverse engineered all of these uh you know robotics off of and but yeah i just i i just wonder if there there there's a larger global concern like we we were talking about previously yeah. uh cuz you you had asked me if um if i felt like um if it's just Detroit that is benefiting from Isaac Sumdak's uh, um, uh, automatons and and really, you know, his brilliance and stuff like that. And I, I thought so that that it's just Detroit that's kind of isolated to Detroit. But even talking about it just a little more now, I, I'm starting to potentially feel that less and less because it's like, you know, what what impact would this cyber utopia have on uh the world stage and and like at what point are could other interests be interested in that technology you know how how is it that right like you know other like rogue nations or whatever aren't like trying to just invade detroit and try to try to steal uh isaac sumdak's robot technology i can't honestly i can honestly say like i don't know if we get an answer to if the world gets involved, right. but I know we're going to see ramifications of, of, okay, Isaac Sumdak's getting a little too big for his britches. Um, and there's going to be some rivalries there very soon. Gotcha. Gotcha. Bumblebee learns a lesson and, you know, we, we kind of close on, you know, kind of like uh, uh, revisiting the, the, the resumption of the, the slumber party. And now uh, Bumblebee is a, is a little better at, uh, at, at Twister slash Simon or si- Simon Twister or whatever. <laughs> right, right. We actually see, you know, outside of the action, we actually see Prowl uh, teaching Bumblebee. Um, and, and, and Bumblebee being excited to learn. Now he's survived this thing that chip off his shoulders gotten. He's like, show me your ways, uh, Obi-Wan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's, that was really cool to see. Another thing that's very cool. And this is why I wanted to get back to, um, I think it's a really smart use of Sari's key because when I first started watching this episode again, um, I just thought it was sort of like a comic beat right? Like she's misusing her key again. She's misusing her key again, but it's actually really smart because it it's how Megatron stays hiding. Like, yes, they think it's weird because suddenly this thing that was only, you know, movement based sight could see them. They don't really know why. And now they're getting the hints that something's up, but it's all hidden because now Sari's sort of the culprit. They're like, there's like a distrust in her forming of like, well, did you do this? Or is it because you've been abusing your key that this happened? And now Megatron can stay hidden even longer. Yeah. Um, goes back to that nothing wasted thing. I thought mm-hmm. that was a really smart little cover up. Yeah, absolutely. So um, a couple of the things I, I wanted to uh, note about this episode that kind of stuck out to me uh, before we kind of close out and, and uh, transition to, to um, uh, our last couple segments is the, you know, I talked about the kinetic action earlier, but this, this does feel very American anime to me in that, like, um, you see, um, I, I don't, I don't know if I noticed this in the, in the, in the pilot or not, but 
the um the facial expressions are very exaggerated um like like bumblebee is shown outright blushing a number of times and and which it was one of those things where it's like i don't know if i like this or not you know it's like i i wasn't i wasn't necessarily like off put by it like like you know folding my arms oh fucking blushing robots what is this bullshit i I did i I did feel that (laughs) way about it but i was just kind of like well that's that's an odd choice, but yet in context, it, it kind of works and makes sense. Um, right. Well, I think that's always been the challenge of transformers is like, how do you, how do you get them to sort of they're robots? Like, how do you get these human expressions across? Uh, and, and then you get to this show, which is a very like simplified caricature version of these characters we know and love. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, it's gotta, it's gotta come across to the, to the, to the little kids watching this um kind of what the bots are feeling yeah and, and there and there's a frantic freneticness to it like you know um uh something you had you had mentioned in a previous episode is uh, uh teen titans go you know where it's kind of like got, got yep. that like you know it's it, american anime um straight up children's cartoon fusion type of thing like like there was a there was a scene yeah. early on in the episode i don't remember where it was but like you know sorry is shown being very animated but like the the animation is like intentionally jittery where where it's like you know she's just like you know flapping her arms in a in in, in, oh, in sure. a frantic kind of way and it, it just it kind of reminded me of something i i would see in a show like that like uh like teen titans go um yeah well, I think they actually share some animation credits there too. And, oh, sure. and I think that's why that this, this show wasn't that jarring to me visually. Cause I was a fan of the original teen Titans and teen Titans go. So it kind of was just like, Oh yeah, the little blush lines appear and, and you know, the motion blur when they're, when they get frantic. Um, yeah. Uh, that all just kind of tracked for me, but, but yeah, I can see where as someone who was expecting a more traditional uh, transformers animated show would, would be, surprised by that yeah i mean which which again it's it's not it's not specifically bad it's just different so i i want to make sure and kind of call these things out as as, you know i'm trying to trying to live up to my reputation as as the first time viewer because like you know experiencing it for the first time there there is there is kind of like that 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 weird tummy feeling where it's like do I, do I like this? Do I not like this? I, I can't quite put my finger on it. I currently, I could just point to it and say, that's different. <laughs> you know, that, that, that yeah, right. That, right. That right. It's my, it's the every movie review by my dad. Uh, it's different. That was different. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> you know? Right. Right. Um, the, the other thing, and I, I missed this when we were talking about it up top, but I, 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 I really like the, a multitude of different weapons that Optimus Prime has. Like when when he's uh when he ha- when yeah. he has his confrontation with the with the uh angry archer, I I wonder how much stuff is in his wrist because like, you know, he could pop out a grappling hook, he could also pop out like a a a, a foam gun um as well as the- right the little bolos the bolos um and and really i just kind of wanted to i mean i'll point this out at every opportunity i get i i think now that optimus prime's axe is even more of an iconic weapon than the ion blaster 
and and i i love that that classic optimus prime heavy rifle but um and he uses it a little bit here and it's it's very subtle it's you know it's kind of like here and gone but like um i maybe i i'm over projecting into the uh you know optimus prime is a firefighter um you know he's taken on the form of a of a fire truck and that like you know an axe is a you know one of one of a firefighter's most uh useful tools and so anytime prime uses that axe um i just uh I, i i'm just like super into it in a way i never really thought of you know it's like i i again it's like you know for g1ers you know optimus with an axe is like that one dumb orange axe in that one scene in that one episode when he fights <laughs> megatron on on the dam and because of yeah. that we have to get that as an accessory for every single optimus prime it's like oh man this uh this optimus prime this new masterpiece optimus prime is bullshit it doesn't come with the energon axe it's like it's like right, what do, right, what do you need right. it for it well yeah this this show sort of adds credibility to the axe right yeah. like it sort of gives a, a reason for the axe in that it ties into the to the whole uh firefighter mm-hmm. thing which i that's yeah, really cool yeah i didn't think about that but that makes a lot of sense um so yeah so so as i said uh in, in the middle here um this episode was kind of mixed nuts for me um there there are stuff that there's stuff that i like about it i i like that um that we get a lot more character depth from prowl that there is a a uh soulful spiritualness to him um that that we get to see to where it's he's he's kind of even now in the early goings kind of growing beyond just uh uh the one note of just being um abrasive you know being an abrasive prick that that doesn't like being a team player you know we we see already that there's there's um more to him than meets the eye yeah i i love that uh you know there's sort of this uh character building going on that we didn't expect but i also think the the physical character of prowl is such a cool uh you know, just like a visual thing to see, like the sort of, he's always, you know, crouched down in sort of that like froggy stance. And he's got these like, you know, torn off wings, gold, you know, torn down to the bone wings coming off of his back. Like it's such a cool design uh, for a character. Mm -hmm. I love it. And, and that, you know, he's got such a, a lithe figure, you know, it's like, you know, he's, he's shown to be, you know, skinny and, you know, very, very, um, uh, Spider-Man like, you know, he has like that, like, you yeah, know, that kind of yeah. Spider-Man uh, agility to him, which is what you want for your ninja character. You know, it's like you want right. him to be able to convincingly move around in a space uh, quickly. Um, you know, the the the, the totally. speed and stealth totally. of the ninja. I love it. Uh, yeah, Mike. So one thing I'd like you to do with this episode um, would be how does it how does it rank to you? Like, what is the what is the level of you know, because one of the reasons we started this show is because this show is so loaded with Easter eggs for G1 fans. And I think this is one of the reasons people keep saying you're going to like this yeah. show. So I think as we go along, I think you should kind of give it sort of a score of like, you know, what do you how did this episode in particular stack up to like the the legend that is G1 uh, and the movie, you know, the 86 movie. Um, so let's say like you know, the, the first episode that we saw where it was just nostalgia, nostalgia, Easter egg, actual footage from the G1 cartoon that can sort of be like your, you know, your 9.5, 10. Yeah. Yeah. 
uh, as you know, your one range is like, this was a complete standalone. This could have been anything. There's almost nothing, you know, original transformers in mm-hmm. it. Where does, where does, uh, home is where the spark is fall. So for me, the, this one, uh, for, for as high as transform and rollout exclamation point was in terms of like, you know, uh, nostalgia references and nostalgia bait and things like that. This goes the other direction. Um, I, I feel like this is a, episode that can only exist as an episode of transformers animated like i i don't i don't think you could reskin this as a as a g1 episode um just because of like the the specific character behaviors you know how bumblebee acts how prowl acts and no other cast has that um, has that dichotomy there uh, w- with those specific characters and those specific uh, relationships um, to say nothing about the, the whole uh, way that these transformers uh, adapt to their new home. That that's also kind of unique to this show, uh, you know, where they're, you know, superhero celebrities that 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 kind of thing so so for me this exists only as an episode of transformers animated um so on the the g1 scale i'm i'm gonna give it a two uh i'm gonna give it no i'm gonna give it a a 2.3 i'll give it i'll give it a couple extra uh nudges there there because it's i mean so you proper olympics exactly you because i'm like you get some um reference type callbacks like specifically like the the uh um uh relationship with starscream and megatron to where you know megatron has it has a very visceral response to starscream's treachery that that carries over across all franchises but like so that but in terms of like you know references and stuff like that that's kind of um all it has to hang on to even like angry archer being a reference to aaron archer that that's more contemporary stuff and not necessarily calling back to the, the g1-ness of it to say nothing about like yeah, having thanks. human supervillains. i mean like that's something like you know i mean what 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 do we have in g1 you know dr archiville you know um you or or maybe right, like yeah. uh um oh oh who who was the guy in in prime target the lord chumley you know like you know some some of those yeah some of those assholes well it's human villains it's not human super villains we're seeing like super villains with powers in this show which yeah is- i I mean, he, he's got like an armored gauntlet and stuff like that, which I'm sure is, uh, pro- probably has a, a buffed off sticker that says Sumdak Industries on it. I, I'm sure. <laughs> probably, I'm telling you, probably. man, that I think there's something to this, this, uh, um, Stark Tech type of, type of thing that you got like armor wars coming or something. Cause, uh, yeah, you got me. You, you, you might have me there. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a really good point. I, I was going to say, I was going to try to make a case for, uh, when, when the Allspark uh, is sort of zapping into Megatron, there's a little bit of like a Kremzik feel oh, sure, going on, sure. but I think that's I think that's reaching a little bit. It, it, is, it is a little bit, but I'll, I'll give it to you anyway. I will increase my score to three point three. <laughs> All right, three three. We'll give it a three, yeah, three yeah. We'll we'll, we'll 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 lock it in there. I was gonna say I would also give it reference points for the Allspark's connection to Megatron because that that's very much live live action movie stuff um but but that's that's not what you're asking about so i award no points 
for that. Gotcha. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Fair so enough. I'm gonna go three point three on on the uh, on the uh, point scale here. Excellent. Excellent. So, but all right. Well, so, we did it. Yeah. We, but a pin. We, we did it. We did it. So, but how how about you? What 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 are your kind of like you know final thoughts and reflections? You you get. I mean, I'm sure like the audience. Oh, the audience yeah. gets a lot from me. Um. But like <laughs> right. so like in terms of like you know wrapping stuff in a bow. What 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 are your kind of you know uh, overall thoughts and reflections? Yeah. Especially especially being a, a a serial rewatcher and coming back to this with like a specific uh, critical eye for this project. Right. Well, thank you. Yeah. First of all, uh, I just sort of, I have this sort of built in, uh, when Mike Seibert's done talking, cut, paste, print, that's a wrap. Um, so <laughs> good, good call cut, coming print. back to me. Um, <laughs> no, I liked it, you know, as, uh, as I've kind of alluded to in a lot of, you know, other episodes of stuff, um, I like when things are different than, uh, Transformers, uh, proper canon so so the more different things are is kind of like where it shines um i like that that has had nods to like 80s horror i like that it had you know nods to um beast machines i like that it had nods to uh you know the terminator like there's some very kind of heavy-handed notes there so um it was really cool but you know, this is sort of a, we're past the origin story. We're not quite into like the meat of the story. So for me, this isn't the strongest, but I do think this could have been a real throwaway episode and they actually like, you know, Megatron's back and we're seeing this sort of like, um, conniving behind the scenes, uh, shaping up. So that was really mm -hmm. cool. Overall, it was a cool episode and, and it gets major points for me for having that really beautiful scene of the tree going up through, uh, Prowl's, uh, room. Like that was just uh, a really unexpected piece of artwork that I didn't expect from this show. Yeah. Uh, and and again, I, I've I've already litigated it, but yeah, yeah, a million percent there with you. That that was that was a real surprise, and and maybe maybe that that's like a a little bit of a segment we can add to the 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 score portion of it, where it's like you know what surprised you in uh in this episode yeah. or and and actually that could cut both ways because it, it could be like what surprised me as a first time viewer, so I was really surprised, you know the all all of the prowl stuff really uh really surprised me but also you know what surprised uh serial rewatcher michael andrews this time around you know what what did you see that maybe yeah. you didn't before or or like some something that was like iconic that you had forgotten about you know kind, kind of similar right. to the introduction to the decepticons in the pilot you know it's like where it's like oh man i kind of forgot that that scene was even there how great you know that that kind of stuff yeah, I'm definitely experiencing a lot of that. Uh, and, you know, I was a very kind of hot and heavy rewatcher mm -hmm. of this when the DVDs came out and um, definitely took a break from it. So I, I feel in a little bit that I'm coming back to this uh, with with pretty fresh eyes. Some of it is is very surprising to me. And, you know, it's just the nature of people growing. Yeah, uh, they, they always find something new that they didn't before. I think that's one of the great things about artwork in general. A absolutely. Absolutely. So let's, uh, so let's, uh, uh, before we close out here, you know, one of the things that, that we said in our first couple episodes, uh, is that, you know, we, 
want to encourage a listener community of, you know, folks and that, you know, uh, if you, you tweet at us or send us emails or read us, vo- or send us voicemails or interact with us on, on the various uh, social platforms that we're on that, you know, we'll read your correspondence on the air because um, it, it, it's fun to not be in a vacuum. Um, in fact, I've already heard from a couple different folks that are already interested in being on episodes with us, uh, collaboratively. So, so so that, so that, that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, so, uh, we, we are recording this third episode, uh, not long after our first episode has been out for um for a few so i've i've got a little bit of uh listener feedback i would like to share uh with us uh first uh this comes from uh dr brainstorm who uh wrote us out on twitter and was was kind of interested in in the naming convention of our show of our show and he uh he asked why not call it quote unquote mics with mics which I like that quite mm. a bit. That's a, it, it reminds me and I'll, I'll have to see if I can dig up the, the tweet and reshare it because uh, you, Michael Andrews, you, you came up with like, like a dozen uh, different, really cool yeah. ones. <laughs> I don't know about a dozen, but yeah. yeah, I came up with some other, it was, ones. it was a lot. Uh, I was going to say, I'm, I was going to say that uh, I'm glad you like that name. I hate it because I hate how clever it is. I'm mad that I didn't think of it. Uh, Mics with mics. Hmm. That's yeah. that's damn. That's good. That's not so bad. Um, and uh, uh, Doctor Brainstorm is a uh, fan artist. Uh, they, they are going to be one of the folks that's going to be involved in a, a fan comic called uh, Thunder Clash Goes Bananas. Uh, that that's going to be uh, cool. uh, coming around later. Um, but yeah, it, and awesome. and it's basically exactly what you think of it. It's it's you know it's it's Thunder Clash v Skyquake on a planet of uh, gorillas and how they. Um, adapt in that in that new environment so that's a that's gonna be super rad yeah that's gonna be that's some cool stuff um i did a interview with one of the artists participating um an artist named uh, ashley artley uh from here in the in the seattle area and and, love ashley yeah and and she previewed on my show on mike cybert radio um a uh giant piece she did with uh skyquake you know just looming over these gorillas and it's just it's it's just amazing so that's that that's a project i'm really uh i'm looking forward to um some other feedback we got was uh uh, from uh, Mike Blanchard, uh, who is at a uh, TFG one mic out on Twitter. He hosts um, uh, no shortage. Of, oh, another, yeah, mic. another mic. Yeah. See it's, and, and Mike is be- rapidly becoming um, our buddy. One of one us, of one us. of us. Well, you know, like, like the song goes, uh, you are Mike, you are Mike. So, so when you listen, <laughs> so many, so Mike. many, Mike, <laughs> when, when you listen to two mics, too furious, you are also Mike. So, um, but he, um, uh, was listening to the first episode and, and heard, I, I, I had said something over my shoulder about like the, the, um, DVDs for the individual seasons that you have that, that Michael Andrews is in your collection and how you're watching were kind of harder to come by. And I, I still don't remember why I have that perception about them being like rare or, or hard to come by or whatever. But, um, but Mike, uh, uh, hit us up and says, uh, uh, hate to say it, Mr. Seibert, but uh, TFA Complete Series DVD is readily available at Shout Factory's website. So it 
it yes. is it's transformers animated the complete series um it's on shout factory's website and then shout factory's done lots of cool stuff with the transformers they've they've done um oh they do cool things with well, everything i love I mean, shout factory rocks like slayer for sure um yeah. but like they, they they're responsible for all of like the various um anniversary restorations of transformers the movie and you know um uh restoring the movie and, and upgrading it to 4k yeah. and all that all that other stuff so i mean i you know this portion of two mics two furious brought to you by shout factory get your shout on i don't know is that their is that their thing i'm just gonna i was gonna make i don't it know I, I i will ask when i solicit for sponsorship opportunities it's like hey me, me and me and my buddy host a podcast where we talk about transformers do you do you want to sponsor our podcast um but but well i would love if they sponsored me just by giving me that box set because i admit uh it's a great price for it and like i was drooling because i only have them on separate dvd sets and like there's something about having the complete series of something that i was just like oh maybe i should do this yeah yeah 24.99 you can't you can't beat it for uh tra- yeah, that's crazy. transformers animated the complete series i might actually grab that uh just to uh, see what it's like and see what the um uh, what the episode numbering because you know we love number legislation here on two mics too furious i mean oh it's gonna become its own spinoff show I think. <laughs> so numbering legislation but but speaking of uh home video uh my buddy anthony Bricali, uh tfu.info host of transformers animated and and um other cool spinoff shows from that um he he gets in on the conversation about this this home video presentation and says it's kind of a bummer that they've never released tfa on blu-ray um i forget if the tubi hmm. streams are in hd but the show is also available on the Roku TV app, uh, which is also free in high definition. So, um, so that, that gives folks one more, uh, play, oh, place man. to watch TFA for free on, on Roku. Um, I can confirm that the stream on, uh, Tubi is not in HD. Um, and I don't know if that's a Tubi thing. I, I don't watch enough to be to know how, what what their high definition offerings are um it seems like the stuff i watch on tubi is by its nature kind of old so it all it all kind of has like a like a grainy old feel to it and yeah and their presentation of tfa is pretty fuzzy um yeah well actually i was gonna say that as uh, you know when i've seen older cartoons rewatching them on on streaming services sometimes they're real bad sometimes it's like it's like they're filming a TV with a shaky cam yeah. trying to get the footage of it. Uh, I don't get that. I, I can I can watch the Tubi version pretty pretty clearly without getting like, oh, God, the quality. Gotcha. Um, I, I think I want to check it out on Roku also. Maybe maybe for our next episode, I'll watch it on Roku instead of on Tubi to just maybe give a, a compare and contrast. Um, incidentally, the uh, uh, Roku TV is also where you can watch uh, Weird, the Al Yankovic story which i think is where a lot of us uh signed oh, yeah. up for tubi which uh which i mean not not to derail <laughs> us too much is phenomenal it's a Ro- roku yeah, yeah it's it's uh it's so great yeah the the roku tv app which i i realized was on my tv the whole time i just had to create a username and password for it weird uh we 
Right. right. We continue. So this, uh, um, so Ant uh, from TFU.info uh, wrote to me directly, um, said, I really liked the first episode of Two Mics, Two Furious. I hope to hear you guys uh, go into the other voice actors as the series progresses. A lot of meat on that bone, even just the main cast. Um and yeah, so far we we've kind of kept things top level as, as far as uh, voice actors, but I I think I agree with Ant also to where it's like you know I I think the deal we had made Michael Anders was to um like when it's like spotlight episodes to really kind of. And, yeah. and specifically like guest stars too. Like I, um, I went through the TF wiki to see if like angry Archer is voiced by somebody. Um, or because I mean, I, I also know, you know, secret foreshadowing is like, I know there are, um, celebrity guest stars coming, um, oh, in spades. Yeah. So that's, that's one of the most exciting things about this show. And yeah, I think in a, sh you know, as we move forward, there's a lot more, um, like you kind of said, spotlight episodes or episodes that are, you know, specific to a character kind of revolve around one character. And I think we kind of, kind of, uh, I was kind of planning on saving some of that for those. Sure. So, yeah. And, and also, and this is, you know, it's funny. We, we mentioned beast machines earlier and, um, and uh and it's interesting because like as i've gone in this fandom i've realized more and more that i have more and more transformers blind spots than i realized i've you know i, I i've <laughs> seen a few episodes of beast machines and i think i saw enough to know that it wasn't necessarily my cup of tea so um i i haven't been back to it but um in in that same message thread uh my dude uh um ant from tfu.info um also hate to um actually you guys uh but the all spark as a concept predates the 2000 2007 movie by about eight years it was introduced in beast machines but it was the movies that introduced oh. it as a physical object right yeah yeah sort of like a, it wasn't it sort of like the well of all sparks yeah. or it was sort of like uh this sort of concept of almost transformer heaven a little uh -huh, bit uh -huh. yeah that's true that's great but point. yeah it, it was it was 2007 with you know before time began there was the cube you know where where it became right. like a, a physical object and where in some continuities it's kind of become like a stand-in for the matrix um you know th that that kind yeah, of thing absolutely um so it, it is interesting how uh transformers lore picks up and puts down uh various concepts and reuses them in uh in in different ways um uh, but but i do think that's interesting that like um we we've referenced beast machines like three different times in in this uh in this episode yeah well another thing that's interesting is i think of that as sort of um kind of the polar opposite of this show i love beast machines but i think that's where like a lot of people don't like beast machines in the transformers <laughs> fandom whereas transformers animated is sort of like beloved or at least you've heard of it and you like things about it i don't know it's really hard to find people that like beast machines to the level that i do i think it's i'm gonna you know go on a limb and say i like it even better than beast wars whoa <laughs> yeah i think that i think the level of storytelling in it is uh 
incredible that is a hot take i love it um yes. and you can uh you can at michael andrews at michael andrews out on twitter for <laughs> right you said you you know if we want to keep this uh uh listener feedback segment going i gotta i gotta stir oh i i see i see how it is um so so a couple more here uh this uh this was a comment on youtube where uh where our episodes exist as well not not as video but it's like transcribed video audio whatever it's uh it's it's just another place you can find the show but um uh uh matthew comments uh the animation style pushed me away from animated at first also you know kind of in in reference to why i passed on tfa to begin with um uh but i i am so glad that i decided to try the show because i fell in love with it the animation will will never be my favorite though it def, it definitely was well done but the story is so good and to which i i replied yeah. um exactly that's uh that's been my experience so far as well and uh thanked him for checking out the show and encouraged him to continue um oh i absolutely will i really enjoyed the first episode and can't wait for the next yeah that's uh i'm so excited for you mike to see how deep the storytelling gets in this show like i think you probably have uh an inkling of of the good writing and how it could be oh yeah what could happen but like like the depth that they take these characters to they really give it a treatment of like you know if you were writing a sequel to a big blockbuster movie you would have to do these deep character dives and figure out backstories for everything and how they all interconnect um it's something you don't see in cartoons and it's something you don't really see it in uh transformers animation too mm -hmm. much absolutely and um i i have a i have a couple more but i think i'm gonna save these for uh for our next episode um and uh I'll be listening at the end of the episode uh during during the credits i suppose uh to learn all of the ways that you can uh interact with us on social media and as as you're hearing here we will read your your comments and responses here on the podcast and I, I know for me, um, as as a listener and a fan of uh, podcasts and radio, nothing gives me more of a charge than than hearing somebody else read my name out loud. It's like, oh yeah, and our friend Mike Seibert wrote to us, so so it, it's it's always been important. And then you squeal, <laughs> I do. So it's always been important to me in the various projects I've been involved in to try to uh, uh, pay that forward as uh, as best as possible. But yeah, it's like you know we, we've we've got a voicemail number set up. Um, we've we've got uh, basically just about all the social medias you can think of. And you know for uh, for those uh, geriatric millennials, we've got uh, we've got email as well. So, uh, there's, there's, there's more than, more than a couple, uh, uh ways, uh, to, uh, correspond with us. And after this show, I'll be putting Mike's uh, home address so you can physically mail him mail. So I don't think there's any problem with that. I love right, it, Mike. You're cool. I love it. I okay. mean, if you if you're gonna send me like Transformers action figures, because th that's the other thing too. It's like I oh I saw a um uh listing uh. Michael, I don't, I don't know if you saw this or not, but like, uh, uh, there, there was a, a, uh, eBay posting that was making the rounds. It's a, uh, Transformers animated Starscream 
almost complete with bat keyboard. <laughs> oh yeah. And it, That's so and, cool. And it's, yeah. it's basically rat bat. I mean, again, I, I know enough to know that that rat bat shows up and who else comes with him. And so, so I, I know it's coming, but I, I did think it was pretty funny that whoever was putting that eBay listing up referred to it as a bat keyboard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, spoiler alert, Mike, uh, his other form that Brad Bat transforms into is the piano key necktie. So that, that is going to be the alt mode, uh, for that. Character <laughs> <in this show. laughs> okay, cool. So what, uh, what are we doing in our next episode? Yeah. So I, I'm, uh, my creative challenge, uh, that I want to do along with this is, uh, I want to give a preview of what's to come for the next episode, which is called total meltdown. Um, but I want to do it in haiku form. So I'm using the 575 uh, version of haikus to give you a little to tease your taste buds for what's coming up next. So, so here's my here's my stab at a pre-coup, if you will, a pre-coup. Uh, biochemical body shaming turns toxic. No, literally. <laughs> so feast on that. I love that. It's 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 a clue for the next episode. Very cool. Yeah. Well, I with that, I think that's going to uh, put a wrap on uh, episode three of Two Mics, Two Furious. Uh, thank you so much for hanging out with us. We we greatly appreciate it. Uh, Michael Andrews, uh, any anything you want to plug? Um, you want to let folks know where they can find you on the internets and connect with you uh, specifically out on socials? Yeah, usually everywhere you can find me is at Michael Andrews. Michael spelled M-I-K-E-L. Um, yeah, I love to interact with people. I, I love doing this show because it's given me a, a great way to like jump back into Transformers. And um, yeah, my my Twitter page used to be a little bit more about writing. And now I'm posting more Transformers picks day after day. So it's been fun getting back into it. I love that. I, I love that story for you. And you can find me specifically um, on uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Mike Seibert Radio. And you can check out my other podcast, Mike Seibert Radio, where where I do like interviews and stuff and things that that's tangentially interesting uh, uh, to Transformers fans. If you like what we do here, you'll uh, you also dig the stuff I'm doing on uh, my other show. But that's that's going to put a wrap on it. Uh, and until next time, uh, make good choices. Yeah. Insert a new catchphrase for this show here. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, st- still got to work through the dismount, right. but but yeah, the- I think we should do like a like a banter out something that you can fade out of where we're just kind of like still talking and and cracking wise, uh, and then you can sort of like fade that down into the the more formal. Uh, Want to be a guest on the show? Send us an email to mics two furious at gmail dot com interact with us on social media you can follow two mics too furious on twitter facebook and instagram at two mics too furious and raise your voice leave us a voicemail message at 260-274-MIKE again that's 260-274-6453 you are mike
sooth, the angry archer is victorious! <laughs>